Welcome to Reader's Table, the podcast where two story lovers talk about books, movies, and stories of any kind. In today's episode, we are going to talk about No Longer Human by Osamu Dazai. If you want to support us, use our Patreon link in the description and follow us on Instagram at Reader's Table. Today's book is No Longer Human by Osamu Dazai and Nick read this one and the special thing is I read this one too but a long long time ago. Not in preparation for this episode. Exactly it was just a long long time ago when you urged me to read it. It was last year. Well then let's phrase it like this many many books ago. <laughs> for you it seems like a long time ago in books. Yeah so give us some information about what No Longer Human is about the mm -hmm. author and so on. It always feels a bit weird um, to talk about books in a way that, you know, we, we know that we have listeners and you think about them now too while we are recording this episode and they might have read this book or might be more qualified to speak about them than I am. So especially in this case, I feel this way mm -hmm. because this book came out a very long time ago. Originally, um, this book was published in 1948 in Japan because it's a Japanese author and this translation came out in 1973. The original one, the cloth-bound one, at least from this um, publisher, came out in 1958. Maybe to the author, the author is called Osamu Dasai. And this book is very personal to the author himself. It's not because he stated so himself, or at least I don't believe he has, but it is titled as a semi-autobiographical novel, which means that it uses a lot of his personal experiences, which you could say, you know, a lot of authors do. But it feels a bit more personal than just using a personal experience as an inspiration to write a story or an interaction. It feels really semi-autobiographical in the sense that he talks about himself and his own struggles in a lot of his books or in a lot of his writing. Um, this book is about a character named Obayozo. And Obayozo is the protagonist, but also the narrator of the story. So just to clarify for the listeners, Yozo... Yozo? <laughs> Yozo, <laughs> the way he's called in the books, is mm -hmm. his first name. Right. They also refer to each other, or they refer to him as Yozo and not Oba. So Yozo Oba in this book is the narrator as well as the protagonist, which means that he is writing in the first person mm -hmm. is that how you say it yes it's first, the first person, person narrative yeah. first person narrative um the book is very well structured it is uh, probably due to the fact that the writing is very poetic in a sense and the prose is very beautiful and also the japanese have a very um clean way of doing things they have almost in every interaction or in every as do other asian countries but japanese i think so specifically they have a very specific way of doing things or saying things. So this book represents that for me personally, because you have a first, second and third notebook of this character, which is found by somebody else, an outside person that doesn't know him. And this first, second and third notebook are presented sandwiched together by a prologue and epilogue from the point of view of this person, this other man who finds or has these notebooks of this Obayozo. Mm -hmm. 
So it's very nicely structured. You have a nice prologue that invites you in, or maybe doesn't the way it's written. We'll get to that. And then you have the three notebooks. And the three notebooks are structured in a way that the first one talks about his childhood. Um, in the second one, he talks about himself from the point of high school to where he's um, in college and then afterwards where he first gets uh, involved with a woman. And then the third notebook is really the epilogue almost already. It's the longest part of the book. It's in the two parts. It's the most detailed one. And it's really the account of him, uh, the character really struggling with life. So before I get into what it's really about, this is the structure and maybe a trigger warning. Uh, some of you are not okay with or get triggered by talks about depression or suicide and mental illness possibly PTSD, maybe don't listen to this episode or listen to it with, uh, with caution. So as I've said, uh, you know, mental illness, the character Obayozo deals with himself in a very negative way. I would say he has very negative thoughts and he presents those in this note, in his notebooks in a very sterile manner. Uh, there's almost no emotion to it. Sometimes you can tell that there's emotion to it and there's pain in the writing, but it's represented or presented in such a clean way that it begs the question um, whether or not Samu Dasai hasn't experienced the same things. It's so clean that it feels like distance from himself and sometimes, and sometimes it's so close to it that it feels so intimate that it couldn't be any other way that he really has experienced those things himself. I remember when I read the book, I couldn't really identify with the story or the main character. And that might be due to the reason that I'm not a man and I haven't experienced his life with depression and mental illness. So reading the words on paper, they seemed pretty sterile. And it was hard for me to really grasp not always, but sometimes the poeticness behind mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So Obayoso talks about in his first notebook about how he grew up and the painful interactions he would have with his own family and how he never felt really connected to them. His father being very successful and politically active and demanding in a way, probably not easy for a young child to connect with and his siblings as well as his servants. They had many servants. Um, he didn't feel connected with. You didn't catch that upon reading, but in the first book, in the first notebook, he states, not directly, that he was abused sexually by the servants. And I also had to look that up after reading the first time, if it's really true, what? but I got the sense <laughs> that that was the case. I really didn't catch that. Maybe I can quote it. It's multiple times in the first notebook. It's really short, the first notebook, it's just 20 pages or so and here is one of the times he mentions it my true nature however was one diametrically opposed to the role of a mischievous imp already by that time i had been taught a lamentable thing by the maids and men servants i was being corrupted i now think that to perpetrate such a thing on a small child is the ugliest vilest cruelest crime a human being can commit but i endured it I even felt as if it enabled me to see one more particular aspect of human beings. So that's one of the times he mentions it and you can tell it's not directly stated, so it's easy to miss. 
Mm-hmm. And upon my first reading, I wasn't sure. And I was like, is he stating that he was being sexually abused, maybe? And I googled it, and it in fact is true that this was the intention of Osamu Dasai to bring this across. Osamu Dasai dealt with this himself, and it's so painfully clear to me now, after reading it three times, that this was what happened yeah. to Obayozo and the way it's written that it happened to Osamu Dasai. And it's actually a very sad thing. But it's so cleanly written, as you've heard, that it makes it seem like maybe it's not didn't happen to Osamu Dasai in a way. Kind of, yes. Yeah. I mean, after I finished the book, I went on Wikipedia, and I know this is not the most trustworthy source, but just to get an idea of what is in the internet about him. Mm-hmm. And I found out for myself that there were a lot of parallels to his real life, and that was, in hindsight, shocking to realize Mm. It's better, though, the experience in a yes. way to find that out afterwards. Definitely. Right? So I'm sorry to spoil it for you guys. <laughs> but there's a lot of things here that we will talk about that will be considered spoilers. Again, just to name it. If you're really interested in this book by now, you should go and read it now and then come back and listen to this later. I suggest to do it that way at least. Yeah, it makes the most sense. Mm. I will not spoil everything that happens in this book, but... The ending will be spoiled or hinted at in some way because we're also going to talk about Osamu Dasai, mm-hmm. just so you're warned. Osamu Dasai um, then writes further in Notebook 2 and Notebook 3, and you see already say Osamu Dasai instead of Obayozo, but it's essentially himself in another character. And the way he writes so cleanly, I think, also speaks to the introspection of Osamu Dasai, that he was able to actually view his issues that he had and the stuff that he dealt with from another angle. But he still struggled with it. I also think it's the insight or the ability to have insight on the different roles and characters we portray to the outside world, the different mm-hmm. um, personalities, if you mm-hmm. want so. And that's something I found in Japanese authors specifically. I read a bit of Yukio Mishima. I uh, see that in Haruki Murakami, Murakami as well. Japanese people tend to have a because of their culture, that you shouldn't say certain things and you can only say certain things in that way, it is very sterile, almost. So you have to hide a lot of it. And there's a Japanese saying that goes, everybody has three faces. One you show to everyone, second one you show to close friends and family, and one you show to no one, only to yourself. And that is exactly what he must have felt like because he couldn't talk to anyone. Which then leads to great introspection and insight because a lot of people don't do introspection and i believe japanese people do it more because they have to they're sort of driven to it by the culture back then when the book was published and everyone read it Mm -hmm. did they find out or realize that it was about the author's life probably that's also probably why it is by the way i wanted to say that in the beginning (laughs) i got lost in it it is one of the best sellers in japan still today It gets read in schools. He's one of the most famous writers in Japan. So he is a big deal over there. He wrote stories that were about Japan and the people in Japan. So to get back to the story, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell I'm talking about this book. I feel gloomy and a bit like tense because it's such a... Yeah, it really happened to someone, you know. He really dealt with those things. So in the second notebook, Obayoso is then um, talking about his days at high school first. And then later on, how he goes to Tokyo and lives there. 
in one of his houses or one of the houses that the father has there um, because he can't live in the dormitory. He can't live with other people. He could not get into the college spirit. So he was secluding himself even further because he wasn't comfortable. And he went to a college about, I think, economy or so because his dad wanted so, but he skipped classes and went to art class instead because he wanted yeah, to be an something artist. something like that. Yeah. He feels the sense of dread of interaction with human beings. He always refers to other people as them and human beings. He never says that he is a human being himself. So you already see that he has a dissociation of what he thinks reality is. And he doesn't connect with real people, really. And it's because he's so afraid for people to really see who he is, what he believes. He's not human. He believes he's something else, something different. And he can't be like everyone else. And it's painful because... I think it also speaks to the Japanese culture, as we've already talked, how you can only say certain things a certain way, and it's very restrictive. And there's also a saying in Jap Japanese that goes, um, the nail that stands out is getting hammered in. So you are supposed to be a certain way. And I think Obayoto in this book, as well as Osama Dasai, is dealing with this because he feels like he can't break out and really tell how he feels. I don't believe that he was the only one feeling like that. I mean, no, of Osamu course Dusai... not, but he thinks that. Obayozo thinks that. Yeah, Osamu but didn't Dusai... he have a friend in, in, hi mm -hmm. in high school or something that yeah, also that. mentioned something similar? Mm -hmm. So in college he does art classes, and in art class he meets this other man who he thinks is very similar to himself, who becomes his guide in Tokyo, so to speak. So he meets Horiki, and Horiki is... This other man who also does art, and Obayozo states that he is an idiot, and he thinks of him as somebody that's lesser, in a way, um, because he sees that he is very similar to him, but Obayozo thinks that, ah, I realize my farce, I realize my uh, flaws, and how I am just trying to be something I'm not, and Oriki doesn't realize it, and maybe he's happier for it, because ignorance is bliss. But he gets close with Horiki because Horiki enables him to move through the city and do things that he otherwise wouldn't be able to, like going to the theater because he's anxious about meeting people there, or having to talk to somebody, you know, to get in, um, taking cabs in the city, doing things like that. It's, it's horrifying to him. So he uses Horiki as a method to get around the city. And then sooner or later, he gets uh, into addiction with alcohol, with prostitutes, with women, and with smoking, because Oriki's doing those things, and he's kind of adopting them. And he also realizes, he also states this again very plainly in the book, that alcohol is a great way to get away from reality, which obviously is true, but it's also really bad, because that's not how you should deal with your emotions mm -hmm. in a healthy Clearly. way. Yeah, but... That again shows that Osamu Dazai knew that, even though he had issues with that himself. And Obayozo is also stated as having, a, he sets himself that people say that he looks good at a certain age and he has a certain effect on women. So he attracts women, but always the bad kind seemingly, like the prostitutes and stuff like that. But he feels at home there. Mm -hmm. He feels cared maybe, for. And yeah, maybe because he. They share something. He knows they kind of share the same mm -hmm. status, maybe, mm -hmm. that they are lowest of the lowest, and therefore he doesn't need to feel it. He doesn't feel the need to, like, put on a farce. Mm -hmm. 
probably yeah because it connects on some level with them deeper than other human beings yeah he can really be himself in a way which is also kind of beautiful but <sighs> sad as well yeah in a way yeah it's bittersweet yeah that's a good yeah. um, definition i think so everything climaxes in a way that Obayozo is getting kicked out of the house of his father because the house is no longer in use and he doesn't need it anymore because he's not politically active anymore. He then has to live by himself somewhere and make ends meet and he can't pay the bills because he doesn't know how to navigate in the city himself. So he has a lot of debt because he always drinks and uses the money to drink and to get prostitutes and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think we also have to take into account that back then, as an artist, um, mm -hmm. making a livelihood was Almost not... Almost impossible. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you have anxiety to that degree mm -hmm. and you can't socially deal with human beings, with people. And Obayoso also is able to fool his family that he's still going to college for quite some time until they can contact his father directly. And then he has to plead for money from his family and he feels so much shame for it because he knows it's wrong and he knows it's not what you should do and he already feels disowned by his own family because you know you have to have a certain standard and if you don't go to college and you fail well then you're not really part of the family still and, the same today yeah in, in many places yeah i just think in it's interesting to see how this is similar in any culture you know but mm -hmm. in Japanese culture, it might be a bit stronger so because you can't really speak up. You can't really say that, hey, okay, I messed up, but I actually have issues. I actually want to be better. Mm -hmm. But he can't because he's so trapped in his own illusion of not being able to speak or deal with anyone on a, on a human level. He sometimes even seems a bit, in a weird way, narcissistic. Um, not that he loves himself, but that he thinks of himself higher or so different from other human beings and he is a very smart man he can see through people quite easily so he goes through great lengths to just make everybody happy to please he's kind of like a people pleaser and through all of it he's just in more and more and more pain and then it climaxes in him saying okay i found a way to escape i'm gonna commit suicide and then i don't have to deal with this anymore because I don't know how to deal with it otherwise. I can't escape it. There's nobody that can help me. I'm alone. And that's very depressing to think yeah. that some people really feel that way. He also gets involved in a political way himself. He is part of this Marxist group, this communist group. Oh, right, right. Now that and you mentioned it. He only goes there because he thinks it's amusing how they are doing these things, which are inevitably futile, he deems them to be and just ridiculous how much they get into it when it's really just small things that they do and they have these missions to, to steer people towards the left wing politically speaking and he does so much of that because he gets some acceptance there that he is actually quite high ranking at some point and then he also feels stressed because he doesn't want to actually be there he just does it uh, to save face it's just a downward spiral with mm -hmm. everything in his life. He does things to please others and not himself to the point where he just can't anymore. And obviously it's not just that. Obviously it's a lot of other things that he's dealing with, not being able to connect really with somebody except 
Horiki, which is not doing well himself and is an addict. Yeah, so full-on spoiler. Uh, you should still read it yourself. It's not the same. If you just read it, it's going to be different. But so he tries to commit a suicide together with his partner and she dies and he doesn't. And then he feels even worse because now he's disowned. Which is completely. understandable. Yeah. And then there's this liver of hope where he gets together with somebody else. And then that person, and he lives with that person, this woman. And he's with Horiki that night in that very moment. Obayozo's wife or his partner is being raped by somebody else, by another man. And then he goes on to commit suicide and succeeds, if you can call it that. And it's very sad because that's what also happened with Osamu Dasai. He also committed suicide. But he also took his wife with him, the second wife. Yes. Although I couldn't fully get into it the way you did mm -hmm. it still brings up emotions like from past readings it's really an intense real life story and mm -hmm. i believe a lot of people too sadly experience that too and it shouldn't mm -hmm. be like that but it's a real thing um also interesting fact here the literal translation is actually not no longer human it is to be disqualified as a human being which seems to be the same thing but speaks more to how um, how he viewed his own culture, Osamu Dasai, that he got disqualified by his culture to be what they deem to be a human being. And how to get accepted by society mm -hmm. too, like all this status and the way you should be this by the age of this and so on. Mm -hmm. So many high standards and a lot of people already get exposed to distress at a young age. Um, that was... Uh, a lot of intensity now mm -hmm. <laughs> in the words spoken um maybe you can mention some likes and dislikes just to also wrap up the episode and mm -hmm. to maybe close the discussion on a positive note mm -hmm. sure it seems that osamu dasai is able to write uh, or was able to write very beautifully um the the human experience and to get different angles on it even though he himself was so struggling with things then obviously the introspection, the historic setting in the sense that it was the Japanese culture and just the prose, the way it was written. So who's this book for, in your opinion? Um, if you want something different in the sense that you like reading fiction, and here's a point I also want to make. In the first season, episode two specifically, I talked about how important it is to read nonfiction. But I want to make a point here that it is equally important to read fiction. Thank and you. And if you're not reading... yeah. Maybe it seemed like I was just one-sided. I never was. But this book made me realize if you're not reading fiction, you're missing out. So in that case, uh, in that sense, if you want something different, if you usually read nonfiction or so, give it a go. If you like Japanese culture and you want to learn more about it, this is also great. And it could be for anyone, really, that enjoys a good fiction. And what are the three things you took out from this book? Uh, first one, be kind to everyone because you don't know what they're going through or what they might have been going through in their past. Secondly, think about yourself from an outside perspective. Um, what you deem to be kind might be rude or weird to somebody else who has a different standard or different thinking. And what you think about yourself is bad might not be so bad at the end of the day. So try to think of yourself from different angles to examine the positives. And that brings me to my last point. Try to do nice things for yourself. Try to examine yourself from a good point of view every now and then. 
and also other people do nice things for other people as well. So, as we always do, at the end of the episode, we state a fun fact, which is going to foreshadow the next episode. So, to leave us out at the valley, Priscilla, please give us some fun <laughs> yeah, fact. It feels a bit weird because we're now switching to another, yeah. let's say, realm. Yeah. But yeah, so the fun fact for the next episode is that the Norse gods had a very strong influence in the daily lives of the people that worshipped them. And so it came to be that the days in the week were named after some of them. I think the most famous one is probably Wednesday, because it's referred to or named after Odin, which is also known as Woden. So Wednesday, Woden, there's this connection, yeah. yeah. All right, so I'm happy to see what's next. That's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed No Longer Human by Osamu Dazai. If you want to support us, use our Patreon link in the description and follow us on Instagram at Reader's Table.